Shelton. It's Dainer and Jane. This episode of Hear That Podcast Ground is brought to you by Visa Network, working for everyone, working for you. Paul Jr. Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Excited to be with you. What's up, Jay? I'm alive. My body clock is back to where it should be. Ready for Steelers week. It is Steelers week. And a very unique Steelers week where the Steelers are the plucky underdog. Mm. And the Bengals are big bad bully who talked crap after beating them up last time. <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> like many things this year. This is quite the change of pace. Yeah, it really is. I, 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 I know we just got Tyler Boyd on Sunday post game. I'm hoping we get him on on Wednesday to kind of go back and revisit that they quit quote from after the first game. You better believe that that is posted all over <laughs> the Steelers lock. I, I, that is not something that they would forget. And uh, they're a very different team this time around, and I, they have found themselves a little bit offensively. Um. This will be a week where we will closely monitor their health defensively. TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick. They've had they've had a you know. A, a, is it possible the Bengals could go through a season and and manage to miss TJ Watt twice? Um, I don't know. We'll see. He may play, but we'll we'll, we'll be monitoring that. And the Steelers have a bunch of health issues as they have all year, so um, they almost pulled off a miraculous comeback on Saturday night in a mm-hmm. wild game against the Chargers, but the Chargers end up winning so you have all four teams in the afc north are over 500 and they're playing each other this weekend (laughs) it is a big big weekend for the afc north so we're going to dive into that uh we're going to spend some time here today talking about the north the makeup of it the 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 lay of the land for all these teams and, and where the Bengals fit in that mix and obviously this discussion will sound very different uh, next Tuesday, next Sunday night uh, after these games get played because it's um, uh, a big week for this division. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about defense, a little bit about health, a little bit about penalties. Jay's got stats, 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 of course. Um, I have a growler bet that Jay is going to be feeling good about himself, uh, as he should, and some other some other fun things to discuss, but First, I do want to remind everybody this week, our uh, Black Friday deal, best deal of the year. Uh, this is the one all year, best chance to get in. And if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, hopefully you are. If you are, thank you. Um, if you are not, our promo is going on right now. You can go to hear that podcast growling uh, on the site, um, the landing page, athletic.com slash hear the podcast growling. $1 a month for 12 months. It's the best deal of the year. We'll have it going on all week. You can go on any of our stories, too, if you want to uh, go in there also um, and and subscribe. And, and you'll have everything for a year. So we highly recommend you doing that. If you've ever thought about subscribing, not sure if you want to subscribe, this is the time to do it. Um, Jay, we've got some – we've got new, a little bit – not a ton of news. Um, I would say – you know, Zach Taylor said he loved the way Akeem Adeniji played at right guard, so he'll be staying put. Um, I, I would, you know, that feels like it's settling itself a little bit. I mean, you, you could see a, a Denigy maybe regressing at some point and them having to consider some things. Obviously, injuries always in play. But right now, I think through 
the two games he's put together and the direction he's trending, I think they, you know, you'll, you might see him here for the duration. Yeah. I I kept wondering why they kept running right, because that's where most of the issues were. You know, I wrote about how, how they, they had all those negative runs and they stuck with the run and, and, and so much of the struggles were, were going to the right where Adeniji was. And, you know, he got that sorted out. He was great. If you look at his pro football focus numbers, you listen to Zach, he was, he was really good in pass protection and that's where they need the improvement. So yes, it was it, it not a debut because he started, that was a second start, but it was a big leap from his first start. And it does, you know, barring injury, it, it feels like he's going to be that guy for the, the rest of the season. Suofilo still working his way back. He's doing some rehab work, but even when he's a hundred percent healthy, I, I think we see a Denergy start the rest of the season at right guard. Yep. Uh, that will be the case. Uh, Evan McPherson uh, spoke with us yesterday um, and he's the first player in NFL history to have six 50 plus yard field goals in his first 10 games. Um, he is, is tied. I think he's, I had this look the other day and I forgot to write it down. I believe tied for the most 50 plus yard field goals this year. Um, he has, definitely has the most attempts, six of seven. Um, you know, he's been an, obviously an absolute weapon. Uh, and apparently, has decided amongst the nicknames he's heard he would like to go with Money Mac. Are we excited about this? Do we care about this? I'm not going to call the man Money Mac. I'm going to call him Evan. That's what his mama told him. <laughs> so I'm not going to call him Money Mac, but I'm, I, I'm happy to call him Evan and, and, and reference the fact that he is, is a very good kicker. Yeah, I, I don't like Money Mac. I think money's a little too cliche. I, I'm not saying it doesn't fit. He's been... He has been just that. He's been money. But I just I thought because I was even thinking in my head, you know, putting a thing out on Twitter, like we need a nickname for Evan McPherson. I didn't realize this was already be being kicked around. And I just I don't know. It just feels like there's something more creative out there that we are all missing. Um, but it's not it, I'm not not a big fan of people picking their own nickname. No. Um but that, but that this is he's picking from ones presented to him. So I, I don't have a problem. You know, he was asked which of these do you like best. He said Money Mac. So I guess that's what people are going to run with. Um, I do kind of like the the kick McPherson or the kick Pherson, um, But I still I think there's something better out there. I I challenge listeners and readers to to come up with something better. And maybe we can get him off Money Mac because it just I don't know whether it's basketball players or or kickers or any anybody that comes up clutch. They, they just everybody uses some form of money. And I just, I don't like that. I think it's, it's too cliche. And he's not Evan McPherson. He's Evan Mick. McPherson. <laughs> money Mick. Right. And, and, and I don't like that either. So no. anyway, I think that's a good thing. Our readers have been coming through in a big way. Our listeners have been coming through in a big way. So if you've got something, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, or you can of course send me an email, pdaner at com If you've got ideas. Um, Looks pretty good at the Bengals getting flexed in that Chargers game, as we've been talking about for, geez, a month now, since the Baltimore game where we said that mark it down now, that game's getting flexed out. NBC, uh, we're recording this Tuesday morning, so you may be listening to this. It may already be announced, probably. Um, It's basically NBC with a decision between Broncos at Chiefs and Bengals hosting the Chargers. It, it was funny. 
after the Sunday night game that was a ridiculously exciting game where Justin Herbert, you know, racks up 41 points and beating the Steelers in the crazy fourth quarter. Al Michaels and Chris Connors talking about the game, and Al, Al Michaels goes in this whole thing about how he just loves watching this Chargers team, and they are just so much fun. And and he's like, and I know people say because I'm an LA guy or whatever, but they aren't just winning; they're they're doing it with style. It's entertaining. It's great TV. And I'm like, is he just basically saying, please flex the Chargers in two weeks? Like, I feel like he was making his own little push. Uh, and combine that with the ratings we talked about earlier in this year when when. Burrow and Trevor Lawrence went head to head with that big number they put up on Thursday night football. Um, the both teams being in it, Denver not quite being a draw. Kansas City is so how many times is Kansas City going to be in national? Like, how many times mm-hmm. are you going to put Kansas City in national television? It's just over and over again. So, I think the chance for something new, the way they've talked about the Chargers, it's, it's obvious. It makes sense. We've been talking about it for over a month. Um, we'll know for sure today. You may be listening to this and be like, yeah, Paul, I know I already know because we're kind of in a tough spot right now when we're recording. To They haven't announced it, but we anticipate that. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. That's really interesting what you said about Al Michaels because I missed that game. I Well, I, it was on the TV, but I was – I was sitting at a corner table in a California pizza oven in the Vegas airport writing my story. So <laughs> I had, I did not realize that Al Michaels had said that. That sounds like a tease, like a foreshadowing type of thing. So yeah, it, it makes, it, it, it makes sense for the other thing is Kansas City's already at their max for primetime games, but they're, they're allowed to be flexed into one more. So by not doing it this week, then I haven't looked ahead to week 17 yet but that leave would leave open the possibility of of a Bengals Chiefs game also being flexed in week 17 um but yeah it's, it it just it feels and even if it's not if, if they if they don't go Bengals Chargers it doesn't mean it won't be flexed it could still be flexed into the four o'clock slot mm-hmm. it's it's not just primetime flexing they they can move these games all around so um I I would be I would be stunned if that game stays at 1 p.m., I, I feel like it's a lock. It's either going to be a 4 or an 8 o'clock game. Yep. Uh, Jay, I know you got stats, and uh, they're really what you're most known for, and that's sad stats. <laughs> they are. This is – the Bengals have been flexed four times in, in franchise history. And so uh, to quote a rock band that I saw recently, Daughtry – be careful what you wish for because you just might get it all. Um, the four times the Bengals have been flexed, 2009 season finale, Jets 37, Bengals 0. 2014, the net, that was the season finale, Steelers 27, Bengals 17. A.J. Green concussed. Yes, missed the playoff game. Uh, November 22nd, 2015, Cardinals 34, Bengals 31. Terrific game, but a, a loss in the desert. And then more recently, October 21st, 2018, Chiefs 45, Bengals 10. They have never won when they have been flexed. And Sunday night football in general has been a horror show. We, we talk all the time about how bad they've been in primetime. Sunday night football is the the bottom of the barrel of their primetime games. Um, they've, they've lost three straight on Sunday night football and they've all been flexes overall. They've lost nine straight on Monday night football 
or Sunday night football. The, the last time they won on Sunday night football, Brian Simmons scored the team's only touchdown. Peter Warwick was the leading receiver, and Carson Palmer was making his second career start. It was a 16 to 13 win against Miami on September 29th, 2004. NBC didn't even have the Sunday night package then. That was still ESPN back then. So overall on Sunday night football, the Bengals are three and 16. Careful what you wish for, people. But look, the Bengals have a win streak in primetime, a win streak against the Steelers. They've now have started a one-game win streak after the bye. It's all new, Jay. It's all different. Throw it out the window. Throw all these old sad stats out the window because this has been the year of shoving the sad stats in Jay's face. Bet against the trend is the is kind of the theme this year of what it has been with this team. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. The Bengals are trying to beat the Steelers for the third straight time. That last happened December 2nd, 1990. 1990. I was 10. Just turned 10. Great birthday. I was a super senior at OU. What's that? I was a super senior at OU. (laughs) Both of us having the time of our (laughs) lives. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's a long time ago, and the Steelers have dominated this. And the idea that the Bengals are four-and-a-half-point favorites to beat the Steelers for a third straight time. The last time I, I remember writing this and feeling like I had egg on my face for years afterwards, the last time it felt like the Bengals were finally prepared and ready to steal back the momentum in this series and really and, and kind of get it all going on a run of their own was in 2013 they had they had won a couple of games in a row they were undefeated at home and in December they went to Pittsburgh and lost 30 to 20 and Ooh, it's Kevin Huber <laughs> Kevin Huber gets hurt exactly um and and it goes it turns into a bad run. You mentioned the AJ Green concussion game came, and then they won a game in Pittsburgh early in 2015, 16 to 10. People might remember that, and then that set off the streak of a million losses in a row that they broke with the Von Bell hit game against Juju Smith Schuster last year in December. Now you're looking for three in a row, and I feel like this is your first chance since then. Roethlisberger is going to be on his way out. Um, they're going to have quarterback in flux as they try to figure that out. It's a miracle. I don't know how they're five, four, and one. Credit Mike Tomlin. He he's always finding a way, despite just dealing having nothing but scraps in front of them to to put together a team with a winning record. They're very flawed, but they're better than they were before, and and that sets this up with Bengals Steelers and and Ravens Browns as a, as a big weekend. I want to drop these numbers on you, Jay. Uh, 538, um, website 538, um, does a lot with odds and they have their own formulas. They have, uh, the Bengals now with a 49% chance of making the playoffs. Um, when, when you, when you look at the whole picture together, the North odds, they have Ravens at 58% chance to win Bengals at 20 Browns at 14 Steelers at seven. This is really a chance to 
I'm not going to say put the Steelers away because there's still a lot of ball game left, but get pretty close to kicking them over the cliff. Yeah, it does. It's, I, I mean, I've kind of, I'm surprised even that the Steelers are where they are. I, I really didn't think they were going to be that good this year. And they're just, it's a confusing team. It's, you know, they, we saw how bad their offense was when the Bengals beat them in week three. And then they go have that explosion that they had Sunday night. It's like, you know, where's that been all year? And I guess it's because they had to. They they were missing so many key pieces on defense. But you just don't you don't feel like you know what that what that team is. And and Najee Harris is really impressive. And I think that's been a big his development's been a big reason why this this offense has kicked it in. But you, you look at Ben and he's doing this at, at such an advanced age, and you just wonder. You look at last year when they were eleven and zero, and they just kind of fell off the cliff toward the end of the year. Is is that going to happen again? When you talk about the rookie wall all the time, well, what about the forty year old wall where where these a, a guy that is that old struggles to keep it up? I just I, I think those odds are just about spot on what I would have. Maybe the Bengals a little higher. I guess you have to wait and see if they can sweep the Ravens, but having already won that one game against the Ravens, it just it it feels like, and then being where they are now with this win against the Raiders to go six and four, it, it just it feels like they should be a little closer. I would still put my money on the Ravens to win the division, but that that seems like a bigger gap than 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 what it should be in terms of odds. God, and you just you just look at the miracle victories that the Ravens and Browns mm-hmm. pulled out and how big of a difference those made and where this stands right now. I mean, but the, the thing is in, in this line that they've been using over and over again down the stadium, which is, oh, it's all in front of us. It's all in front of us. It is. You, you got the Ravens on December 26th in your house. You know, stay even with them. Win when they win, lose when they lose is okay. Stay, stay, stay within a game of them. Get to December 26th and, and you got to beat them in your house. And that's the way it should be, and, and and then you you've got the division in your hands, and you know with as crazy as this wild card is and is going to be, you know, because the Chargers are very good and scary uh, with Herbert and their offense. Obviously, New England, it, Kansas City catching for the, them rising to where you thought they would be. Indianapolis is frightening right now. They're playing really good football. They, their offense has been people that haven't been paying attention. But if you look at the last six, seven weeks, their offense has been far and away the best. In fo- I mean, points per drive, by a, they're, they're in first by a, by a mile. And they're really surging. John Taylor, obviously, is phenomenal. You know, what is Buffalo? Now you're like, is Buffalo even good enough to make the playoffs? But that's just going to be a lot of teams in that wild card mix. Whereas you've got a game on the Ravens. You just got you got them coming to your house. You beat the Steelers. You beat the Ravens. You take care of business in division like you have to this point. And you're and and the North can be yours, and you can be hosting a home game and all those things. It's just these are the game that we, we. That's why when we talked about the Baltimore win, it felt like the real moment because this was the ladder they needed to climb. Beating other teams is great, and, and getting yourself to. The position they're in now is great, but they've got it always has to be a climb through the north. And and now when they're gunning for you and they're pissed at you, <laughs> how does it look? How does it look? And we'll we'll start to learn that on Sunday. 
Yeah, because I mean, you referenced it before. That is, it is bulletin board material. We we saw that a little bit. The that you met, you also referenced the last time they beat them before that long streak. That was that game. Um, it was the day after Halloween in 2015. The Bengals went six and zero, I believe it was. Um, Vontez Burfitt came back from his suspension, or maybe it was an injury. He he had been out the whole year. That was his debut, and they were only going to play him a few plays. He ended up playing a ton uh, because he was playing so well. And that's the game that he tackled Le'Veon Bell, uh, tore his knee up, and appeared to get up and celebrate. And we saw that that rivalry get really ugly. It was already kind of ugly. It got really ugly after that, and that that long losing streak followed. So um, I'm sure the, the the Bengals, not that it was a dirty hit or any by any means, but the the way they celebrated the the Von Bell hit on Juju for the fumble with T-shirts and, and that type of thing. And then Tyler Boyd's comments about the, the Steelers quitting. It's it's the old don't poke the bear type of mentality. We will see. This, this, will, this again will be a test of – a, a culture test for this team can can they handle the success can they handle the role reversal where they are the hunted um against a a team that is has been very good for a very long time um sunday is going to be a big test in that regard forget that it's a division game although that plays into some of the emotions it's it's the steelers and they are going to be pissed this team has played really well feeling disrespected underrated, back against the wall. They have not played well in the opposite. The Browns game at home is the perfect example. Mm -hmm. The Jets game. Whereas, okay, how are they going to handle success? How are they going to handle being the hunted? They did not handle it well. Now we saw them go to Vegas and it felt like they learned from some things. It felt like they did get themselves back on track. They did find that momentum again and, and that team that they need to be regardless of how they're being viewed. And, and, so how will they handle? Because it, it, it is back on the word. They're back in this spot again. Can you win when you're supposed to? Can you win when people think you will? Can you win when the other team is the one feeling disrespected? Um, and it's the Steelers. It always comes back. It's still Big Ben. It's still the Steelers. And uh, you better believe they will be a lot of. I think um, the visitor podium would be an interesting one to be in front of should the Steelers find a way to beat the Bengals uh, mm -hmm. on Sunday because there will be a lot of comments about quitting uh, <laughs> brought up <laughs> then that's usually when they show up so I, it's that's all but the thing is the Steelers are beat up the other I was I, I, I'm going to do more research on this this week how about this Jay the Bengals are just so much healthier than everybody they play every week nine of their 11 primary offensive starters have started every game, played every game. Eight of their 11 on defense have played every game. 17 of 22? Throw in the specialists? 20 of 25? Played every game? And those that have missed have hardly missed outside of Trey Waynes? It is unbelievable. I have never, I shouldn't say never. You've just hardly ever seen a run like this. And it's why they're so well positioned. The Ravens, the Ravens are as beat up as any team you'll ever see. I don't know how they keep winning. The Browns are a mess. Let's run past or boot it. Who wins the North? 
Ravens, Bengals, and I'll combine Browns or Steelers into one. It's, it's easy as can be for me. I, I, I'm running with the Ravens. I still think they're the team to beat as beat up as they are. I, I still think they are better positioned to, to finish this thing off. Um, I'll pass on the Bengals and I'll boot the other two. They, the, the Browns, Baker Mayfield is, is not healthy, not close to it. And if, if he can't go, um, they're not, they're not going to playoffs with Case Keenum. As terrific as that roster is, it's just not going to happen. And the Steelers, it just feels like are, are in for another cliff fall, regardless of what happens Sunday. They, they could come in and beat the Bengals. And I still, it's not going to change my mind about them. I still think that they are destined to finish last in this division. So it's that the boot is an easy one. The run is a little tougher. Um, but as, as far as placing them in order, it, it just, it seems easy. It's, it's Ravens, Bengals, and then boot Steelers slash Browns. I, I think the Browns are more likely to finish in last. They are, we've talked so much every day, basically about the culture in the locker room and being together and responding to adversity and there's been zero cracks in this Bengals locker room. Zero cracks in the Ravens, as even as they get all the injuries. I can't even keep track of the cracks anymore in Cleveland. <laughs> like, there was Beckham, and then there was Jarvis Landry, and now Baker Mayfield's girlfriend or whatever. is he's not He snubs the media because he was too emotional because it sounded like he knew he was going to go rip everybody, and his girlfriend's posting like, hey, y'all need to look at yourself about who's really tough around here. It just feels like there is so... It is all falling apart. It is House of Cards time in Cleveland right now inside of that locker room. And you better have it together over these next month and a half inside of your locker room because it is going to be a grinder to try to get into the playoffs in the AFC right now. I don't think there's just two. They're, they're as broken as Baker Mayfield is, and both of those mm-hmm. things are a problem. And, and the Steelers, I you know, as bad as they've been, you know, at least they kind of still have this feeling of still being the Steelers a little bit and some, you know, there's, you're not seeing the mess that you're seeing in Cleveland. So I, I, I'm, I'm more worried. I would be more worried about the Steelers coming from off the mat than I, than I think I am the Browns, even though the Browns came into this place and one forty one to 16 or whatever. And I, I still think that the Steelers have a, a, a lot to be worried about in the, in the long haul, but I'm with you. Yeah. I would still go Ravens, Bengals, Browns. I, I, but you know what? It all changes real quick. It all can change really quickly in one week, and specific, specifically this week. Um, Jay, you've got a few different stats that I wanted to give you a chance to flaunt, brag about. You had um, stats about fewest penalties, and we talked about this the other day, but I don't think people realize how disciplined – this Bengals team has been at not hurting themselves. It's painfully obvious when you watch a Raiders team that is the exact opposite of that, that just does the dumb things that gets your, gets teams beat over and over again. We've seen Bengals teams do that a lot in the past. But what, what are your uh, Jay's stats? Happy stats. Yeah, well, first of all, it's talking about the Raiders because what I did, I went back. The the, the stats on, on penalties only go back to 2000 and on both of our True Media and Sport Radar, the, the two sites we use. Um, so I was looking at, you know, the, the fewest stats in it or the few, the stats from the fewest penalties and fewest penalty yards in a season. And, you know, naturally, if you're going to look at the fewest, you got to take a peek at the most. And 
four of the five highest totals for most penalties in a year belong to the Raiders. It's just year after year after year, they seem to be in that category. And they were again with, they just hurt themselves on Sunday against the Bengals. The Bengals, on the other hand, have the fewest penalties in the league and they have the fewest penalty yards. And what's interesting there is, is like, you think that's a good thing, right? I mean, yeah, you don't want to commit penalties, but it's almost, I I was like, I wonder if it's kind of a nice guys finish last type of thing. How much does that actually correlate to, to playoff success? And I went back the last 10 years and last year, for instance, only two of the 10 least penalized teams made the playoffs. Mm. And then the year before that, it was five, five, four, five, five, three. It, it's never an overwhelming thing that, that correlates to success, fewest penalties and playoffs. But still, I don't think anybody's going to, going to say that it's a bad thing not to have penalties because it don't, you could, they're going to hurt you no matter when they come. And so to be where they're at is a good sign. But the the last time that the Bengals led the league in, in fewest penalty yards and they were tied for second in fewest penalties was 2016. And that was not a good team. So, again, it's 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 something that I think the Bengals are proud of. I think it's been a focus for Zach Taylor, but it's not necessarily – something that's going to guarantee success, but still no one, no one's going to thumb their nose at, at being a league leader and fewest penalties and fewest penalty yards. It's I mean, it's not a winning stat necessarily, but you're right. It's, it still yeah. is something that you, you'd rather be on one side than the other. And specifically when you're so far, when you're so often that you are not the team killing yourself, it, it does make a difference, but yeah, I mean, you know, you'd be better off having a good quarterback and an undisciplined team than the opposite. <laughs> mm-hmm. But still, um, it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable uh, how, how they've, they've found themselves there. Um, you also, in final thoughts, had sudden change stats that I just think are amazing. And I know you mentioned it the other day after the game. It is remarkable how good this defense has been coming off turnovers now. I think I tweeted yeah. during the game. Uh, it's no longer a small sample size because of the generosity of the offense and putting their defense in these spots over and over again. But the defense, I, I mean, you, I just you just don't see things like this. Uh, a defense that every single time has, out, you know, outside of one, has found a way to minimize the damage. Yeah, I want. I wanted to look up to see where they ranked in points off turnovers, and when you do that, it it, it counts pick sixes so they've, they've given up 40 points technically they've only given up 25 points the the offense in quick change situations because there was the two pick sixes and one of the one of the pick sixes came with a two-point conversion it's it, it still is remarkable that not just that they're not allowing turnovers the Bengals defense isn't allowing offensive turnovers to turn into touchdowns but where these drives have started. I mean, three of these have been inside the 10 yard line. They have put the the defense right back out there in, in a first and goal situation. And none of them have resulted in touchdowns. The only one that resulted in touchdown was the one we've talked about at New York, the, the, the blind throw intercepted the jets start at the Bengals 14 and then they go right in and score. But a lot of these other ones, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Eight of the other ones have started in Bengals territory, 
And not only are they not allowing touchdowns, in some cases they're not allowing points. They're either they're either getting the ball back on downs, they're they're answering with a turnover of their own, or in one case at Green Bay, there was it was part of that comedic series of missed field goals. It's just it has been really remarkable, and it, it was interesting too because uh, Sam Hubbard and, and Lou Anarumo both used the line that we're the fire department. We come in to put the fire out. Doesn't matter how it started; it's our job to put it out. So that that feels like a a Lou thing that that Sam was kind of parroting, even though Sam was the first one to say it yesterday. But it has it it it's been ongoing all year this it started in chicago they had three times in chicago they went out there in quick change situations and and once they forced a punt and twice they gave up field goals and it's just it's carried through the rest of the season yeah it'd be nice if the offense didn't keep putting them in those spots uh but it is good to know that really and that's how a team that has been so bad in turnover differential you know those teams that rank in the twenties and turnover differential don't have winning records. Like it's just not no. something that really happens. Um, but that is the only way you overcome it is you have a defense that just over and over again minimizes the damage of those. Uh, and so the defense has really been the one that has been saving that killer stat. Really, the one area that the Bengals have just been um, repeatedly, uh, you know, problematic. Yeah. All right, let's just take a quick break. Let's go to Moegger. It's time to bring in our good friend from ESP 1530. Uh, we got to talk about his tweets. There's stuff to talk about. So let's uh, let's dive in. The worst person to go to Vegas with is the person who's like, hey, let's take a side trip to Hoover Dam. And then there's Jay at Hoover Dam. So... <laughs> <laughs> All right, now is that time to bring in our good friend from ESPN fifteen thirty, Mo Egger, and talk to him about his tweets. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of a little disappointed in your tweets this week, Mo. They were, really? Because well, I've were, noticed I've there noticed were some this good is, ones. I've noticed this is gaining traction because I've sent some tweets where people have been like, "Oh, Paul and Jay are going to have something to say about this." Yeah. So. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I you know I just. I will say your Bengals tweets were rather subdued, really kind of, I think maybe at the tone of the game of when it just kind of blew itself out a little bit, it was really just kind of a little bit of a matter of fact reaction from you. And I'm proud of you for that. Well, the first half of that game felt like I tweeted this. The first half of that game felt like at least watching on TV, like it was being played in August. Yeah. I mean, it, it for two, five and four teams that are playoff hopefuls, it didn't have a watching it on the tube. It, it didn't have the big game feel, and I, I didn't like the way the Bengals played in the first half. But I wasn't mad about it, and I never really felt like they were going to lose the game. I felt that way when when Vegas made it sixteen thirteen, and you know you wrote about it. It felt like the whole game, and to a degree, the season was hinging on what the Bengals did next, and they had the touchdown drive, and it was great. But yeah, I mean, it, it was. Uh, I thought they were going to win the game. To me, they were supposed to win the game. They didn't play great, and they did win the game. But there was nothing like exceptionally like overly tweet worthy. I guess. Well, Jay, first of all, do you have most tweets from last week? I do. Uh, it was a bump from last week. It was one oh eight. Still not uh, anywhere near as high, but mm. an increase. An average, an average week for you. An yeah. average week for me on on yeah, the social not media. Bad. Okay. Uh, all right. And maybe you, I think you, you, maybe you tweet a little less when teams are winning more. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> Isn't that sort of how it works? I think that's how. I mean, yeah. yeah. Twitter when the negative things happen is when the tweets the start start rolling through, like uh, you know, like nobody's business. But I hmm. I wanted to say I have. I'll start with this. I want to say that Jay and I both kind of uh, subtweeted you a little bit this weekend. I noticed. Really. Yeah, and, and I hope you don't feel attacked. Well, no, I don't. But let's start with Jay's. Jay's mentioned Sammy Hagar. And for the record, in the Van Halen versus Van Hagar debate, I'm team Hagar. But Jay was excited. I know he's a hard rock guy. I get it. It's a cool halftime show. Uh, the setup looked neat. It's not on the field. It's on this little stage, I guess, in the end zone. But he said this is better than uh monkeys riding dogs which i think is the greatest mm -hmm. halftime show in the history of halftime shows it's better than quick change it's better than red panda it's better than any marching band it's just it's the greatest thing i've ever seen i've not anticipated anything more than the game i think it was on a thursday in 2015 when the monkey rode the dog because it also happened in 2013 when the Bengals played the vikings and i think they clinched the afc north that day and i just i felt attacked and so i saw the tweet <laughs> And I felt like coming back at Jay, but then I didn't want to get into this whole like Sammy Hagar discussion because I like Sammy Hagar, like Van Halen. Uh, that would have been a cool show to see. But also the monkey riding the dog is the greatest halftime show ever. And I just I felt as as somebody who I think is everybody knows that that's the halftime show of choice for me. I felt a little aimed at. I felt like like I got jabbed by Jay. Well, no, sometimes context gets lost in tweets. I mean, imagine that. <laughs> <Does it? laughs> but really, <laughs> I, I was I wasn't saying like Sammy Hagar is at the top of the list and monkeys riding dogs herding sheep was at the bottom. I really like monkeys herding or monkeys riding dogs herding sheep as well. But I was just saying if, if you're looking at what's what's near the top of the list, this one even goes way beyond that. And then someone else tweeted back and they're right, like mascot kids football is just on a in a league by itself that will never mm -hmm. ever be top i don't know I, I, everyone knows my love for mascot football we play fantasy mascot football when they play at halftime at the Bengals game it's one of my favorite days of the year i i i love it uh how, that said i think i'm with mo i i i still would go with the the dogs and the monkeys and the sheep uh, the one that is underrated as someone who has traveled and was and still in disbelief and excited to see what happens in a few weeks is when Denver did mutton busting. If you're familiar with it, they what? just they send they send these kids out on these uh, I, I on these animals and these animals run. Uh, across the field trying to buck them off and they, it, they they basically toss these little kids um it's a real thing you can look it up on the internet and uh it was one of the craziest things that i couldn't believe was legal in the united states much less played in front of seventy thousand people in denver i hope mutton busting happens again in denver this year because that actually is the number one just for the sheer shock value of it this is exclusive to Denver. This is not a travel. It's the only place I, I I think it's a wow. thing in Denver. I have never seen nor heard of it anywhere else. Interesting. Okay. But keep that, keep that in mind. I guess we can, now that we've done that, I mean, what? All right, Mo, thanks for joining us. This was a good discussion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got subtweeted by you, Paul. And you did. I did. About the drive. Well, and you you have mentioned in the past that it does seem that you are showing up a lot in my stories lately. And and so I didn't mention you this time as I did the right. previous couple of times where I actually wrote your name. And so uh -huh. I just pointed out that some people really 
scream at the TV on second and long mm-hmm. uh, and when they run the ball. And it happened to be a sort of a dedication to the run moment that really paid off for him in this game. And mm-hmm. maybe those people for one time maybe weren't, weren't, weren't yelling as loudly about it. on the second and nine play at the 38 Mixon ran it for 19 yards. And it, it was one of the, the, the critical plays in that entire touchdown drive. And it was, it was great and it worked and it was awesome. And I love the fact that they stayed with the run in the second half because it wasn't that effective in the first half. But I mean, I'm not the, I'm not the only person who doesn't like, I don't know. No, no. Second and long run plays. I mean, that's why it wasn't directly at you. But I, but but you're a leader of the group. You're kind of at the front of the people that that like to talk about this. Yeah. Uh, I I don't like it either. No. I mean, by the way, I, you see when they beat USF, one of the key plays in that game was a third and 20 run that gained 18 yards. And then they went forward and fourth and two and got it. And my my colleagues in uh, the broadcast booth, I, I felt like they they were a little bit more excited about that third and twenty run play working because they could they could almost feel me steaming in the background when the ball was handed <laughs> off. So, uh, no, look, it it worked and good for Zach, good for the Bengals, good for me. But yeah, I, I felt like felt like that was a little jab at me, and that's okay. I could take it. I'm a big boy. You are a big boy, and I and I would say I felt like there was. Really, and and this is was right on, and we all fell into the trap. What I'm going to start with with you is your tweet from 6:49 uh, on Sunday, okay. and it was, I believe you'll see descriptors like tough, <laughs> gritty, and hard fought applied to today's Bengals victory. Maybe some Vegas and gambling references and puns too. It's I tried my best not to, but there were still even then points. Jay went full on craps uh, opener and kicker, uh, to, which which I actually enjoyed, uh, with a very specific reference to the shooter winning. Everybody wins, which I I really enjoyed on in your story. But you know, I felt like that uh, was pointing out where we all inevitably would go with with our our coverage of that game. You know, I may not have done that had they not had the crap celebration, but I figured the crap celebration just played. Mm -hmm. It was number one. It was Joe. He was the the point of the story. And so I just, I felt like I had to do that. I know, I know a lot of editors, if it's, if there's a big storm, they don't want people using weather related leads. And if there's a holiday, they don't want holiday related leads. And I, I was going to try to stay away from Vegas, but then I, I just couldn't once they, once they pulled out that end zone celebration, I I had to go that way. Well, credit to you for not, dropping the Hoover Dam in there because they wanted you to <laughs> everybody after the game. How many breaking dam references could we possibly get? And for no one to go Hoover, uh, at least that that I have seen in the posting coverage, I thought was was excellent discipline by uh, uh, by, by the, the media contingent of all of us. Well, we had an we had an immense amount of fun on the air last week because Zach Taylor and his uh, media session with you guys talked about playing craps, which I love craps. To me, it's the most fun game to play because for the most part, when you win, there's other people who are winning. A bad player can't screw it up for somebody else. But there's also like the first time you've ever even thought about playing craps and like, all right, I'm going to learn this game. There's nothing more intimidating. And then we started talking about Vegas. And then I said, the worst person to go to Vegas with is the person who's like, hey, let's take a side trip to Hoover Dam. And then there's Jay at Hoover Dam. So... (laughs) 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 <laughs> and then so we then we started making fun of Hoover Dam and uh, that side trip, which I have taken before. Uh, so I enjoyed that. But, yeah, I mean, 
first of all, the game itself, it, it was, uh, it was one of those that's, that sort of, you know, um, didn't bring about a lot of the, I don't know, descriptors of that we've used to talk about this team so far. It was sort of a gnarly, ugly game. It had the feel for most of the afternoon of just score one more point than them and get out of here and move on and come home and play five year next seven. And so I, I know me, the, the, then I typically default to boy, all right, hard fought, win, gritty, tough. And I'm like, yeah, the, that's, that's what everybody's going to use to describe this game. Oh, and by the way, they're in Vegas and there was the crab celebration and Zach Taylor talked about playing craps. And it's their first time in Vegas, so you you sort of have to like you know pull those uh, Vegas puns and descriptors off the shelf, and and so it 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 worked, I guess. It's so easy. There's so many correlations, right? Uh, but you know, but well, well, next the question is, what happens next time? Do we go back in again? Like, are we at what point is the is the statute of limitations run out? Like, okay, now just no one's allowed to reference. Vegas puns. That's why I feel for like the people that in the Kansas City and the Denver Riders. Now they're like, yeah, I mean, you know, we're going there every there. year. Am I always going to be dropping a? You know, how many times am I going to be talking about the Hoover Dam? Well, you know, at some point there's going to be like, like a, a coach gambles for it and they goes for it on fourth and eight mm-hmm. and it doesn't work and you know then it's going to be like, oh, Sean McVay he uh, doubled down and he went to Vegas and he gambled and he lost and now it's that sad flight home. What happens when you go to Vegas? Like it's. It's they're not going to stop as long as that team is in Las Vegas. But yeah, I mean, it, it worked. It worked because you're right. They they rolled the dice. And then the people that I was watching the game with are like, well, what are they doing? I'm like, they're playing dice in the end zone. That's I, then I had to explain it. So, but yeah, you know, I, I was I was I was heartened that Jay, you went that route and it was appropriate and it was good. Yeah, I think it's one and done. I think this is that that was it with that. Next trip there, and it, it, it has to be played straight. It was, it was curious. There were some, you know, every time you go in these post game press conferences, there's people from the the home city, you know, sidebar guys or whatever do that go into the visiting team press conference. And there was there were guys in there asking um, Bengals players about coming to Vegas and the the traps and all that. And I'm like, it's week ten. Have they not done this story already, or are they just asking mm. every single team that comes here the challenges? And they're they're doing like this big long piece. That was I was really surprised to see the the Vegas writers taking that angle. I did enjoy other players referencing that they had to keep an eye on Tyler Boyd, like because every <laughs> every friend group has that guy who like you you know you got to watch right right uh, and and I love that we all are, everyone's acknowledging that Tyler Boyd is that guy, which I think anybody that follows him on Instagram is well aware. Yeah. You know, this was it was fun to watch um, on social media because there were a lot of Bengals fans who made the trip and it looked it looked awesome. But in my like little circle of friends, I have people who went to the game and the folks that I thought were going to make fools of themselves in Vegas apparently did. And uh, the people who I didn't think were going to make fools of themselves in Vegas didn't. So I've I've enjoyed that. But this this struck me as like the trip that uh, I wanted to avoid because I want to go like the third or fourth time they play when it's sort of old hat, you know, that to me is that, but yeah, it, it looked, uh, it, it looked like Bengals fans took over the city. It looked like they had a lot of fun. And apparently, cause I asked on Twitter yesterday, I'm like, look, I forget the Vegas part of it. Just tell me about the stadium and the game and, the, and, and getting in and out and, and all that stuff. And people seem to really love the stadium. I guess there were issues with uh, COVID vaccinations and verifying that, 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 uh, hampered some people, but it it seemed like folks who just enjoyed the the game 
really did enjoy the game and really enjoyed the stadium and looked like a cool place to go. Well, I'm going to get you out of here on this with one more that actually isn't a specific tweet, but it's one that really maybe it was thematic. Uh, the one that you referenced many times during the week, and it's not style points, which I have appreciated that you are all in on that. Uh, is there a game that's that you have been documenting on Twitter yet that you have not referenced style points at the end? I'm not sure, but there's what's, another what's the one limitation that, on that. Like when we get to baseball season, I mean, am I still going to be tweeting about I think style you might. points? I think you might actually. I think by yeah. I th- maybe mid May. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> um, here is basically one that you have in many different forms, and it is. I'm having fun. And I and I think and I and I and I like this because I don't know what it must be like to be a radio host in this city and be so used to the constant themes and now here we are and all these teams are winning. Yeah. Very odd. It's very hard to know how to feel. This is why I got into the business. This yeah. is why I got into sports talk radio to talk about teams I care about winning. Uh and and enjoy them with people and as hokey as that sounds i mean that's you you don't get into people there, there's a, a a misnomer about our sort of industry that oh it's it's great when everybody's angry no it's not because when people get angry then they get apathetic and they go and find something else um i don't enjoy it when they lose i don't enjoy talking about coaching changes and why fans aren't going and what can be done to resuscitate this program or what can be done to fix this team. I enjoy talking about games and winning and, and what can be done to make teams better and what can be done to improve a team's chances and uh, things that people enjoy. And I enjoy it when there's people who don't pay attention when the teams are losing that come to the party when they're winning. I mean, I say all the time, uh, don't stiff arm bandwagon fans, welcome them. I certainly in my business, we have to, right? Because not everybody's a diehard. There are casual fans whose attentions, attention spans kind of come and go based on how the teams are doing. And when they're doing well, they come to the party. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this Bengals season because they matter. I mean, God knows the last six years, five years, whatever it's been, by the time we've gotten to November, nobody is scrutinizing play calling and strategy and personnel usage and really looking at the upcoming opponent. It's all about. All right, you guess why are you still going to games and uh, are the Bengals going to move and should they fire this guy and who are they going to draft in six months? And there's a place for all that, but it, that gets really boring and tiresome and this doesn't. And then, you know, the UC part of it is so different and new and um, you've kind of had to remind people like, you know, this is, this is, this is really fun and cool and unique and it might not ever happen again. So, you know, I remember in 09 with UC and Paul, I, I, think you were covering the Bearcats then. I don't recall specifically, but I remember in 09, they had a terrific team, man. And in November, it was abundantly clear. Brian Kelly was going to have at least a really good chance to go to Notre Dame. And I remember often saying like, let him go to Notre Dame. Who cares? Look at the team you have, like take at least some of your time and, and, and energy and channel it into a group of players that you'll say got mistreated when, and if Brian leaves, so give them your attention, f- celebrate this, enjoy this, because this might not ever happen again. And I feel something to a similar degree about UC, like, all right, so if the committee doesn't love them or if the committee screws them, well, okay, that shouldn't, that shouldn't um, compromise your joy. That shouldn't compromise uh, 
how much you're into this team. And, and, uh, but now, you know, it really sort of gets real. They got to win these next two games and I think they're going to be tough games. And, you know, the, the Oregon thing kind of opened the door where now you're not quite paying as close attention to some of the stuff happening beyond UC as you were before Oklahoma and Oregon lost. But yeah, I mean, this is, this is a lot of fun, man, you know, and it's fun for me. It's, and I, I hope as, as much as we just expect the other shoe to drop and expect the worst and sometimes watch these teams with great apprehension, I hope there's an appreciation for, you know, again, the Bengals matter now, man. Are they great? Are they going to make the postseason? I think they will, but there's, there's something about your team mattering that I just, I, I hope people appreciate because I do. And, and from what I do for a living, you could just, we, we talk about football now. And when they're bad and we get to November and December, we're really not talking about football. And I got into this business to talk about football games and basketball games and baseball games. And you don't do that as much when the teams are bad. And you certainly don't do it with as many people. Have well, you allowed yourself to think about this? That because you got in this, you, you said you got into this to, to talk about teams you love. Mm-hmm. What this weekend will be like, not this weekend, the weekend that I'm about to reference will be like for you. Friday, December 31st, New Year's Eve, UC <laughs> versus Ohio State in the college football playoff. No. Saturday, January 1st, <laughs> UC versus Tulane to go 14-0. and 0. And then <laughs> Sunday, January 2nd, Bengals versus Chiefs with a chance to clinch the AFC North division. Could, wow. could you handle that weekend? No. I don't know that people in my life could handle me that well <laughs> are, are, is UC beating Ohio state on the 31st because I get 48 hours. If that were to be the case to uh, be not responsible for my behavior. Um, <laughs> but I mean, but, but isn't it, isn't it fun to think about weekends like that? Isn't it fun to think about those scenarios? Isn't it fun to put yourself in that position where you're like, Holy crap, I'm watching UC play Ohio state. In a, in a game that matters or, or wow, you know, Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes with a chance to, you know, lock down a playoff bid or inch closer to a playoff bid. Um, you know, the UC basketball team, which is, you know, uh, of, of everybody that I root for my absolute favorite, who would have thought as we talked this morning, this team would look like it might matter this year. Nobody. Um, boy, I know I, I haven't, the, the, I'll be honest with you. The, the UC ECU game terrifies me. And I've said it for weeks mm-hmm. because it's, it's a weird place to play. It's a veteran quarterback who's had success against Cincinnati before. It's a short week. It's a holiday. They're 11-0. There's a really good chance they're in the top four when they go there. Uh, the target has never been bigger. That game just scares the crap out of me. So I, I've tried not to look beyond that one too much because, boy, the worst thing is, you know, you assume you're going to make it. You assume, hey, they're going to play Houston, be 12-0, and then they, they lay an egg at ECU, and they haven't played on the road. They haven't played great on the road recently. But, yeah, I mean, that, that three-day stretch would be um, insane. I haven't even thought about that. That would be well, ridiculous. You get to think about great weekends like that, and um, you get to think about weekends like going to Greenville. Your favorite place on earth. <laughs> on Thanksgiving. <laughs> on traveling Thanksgiving. on Thanksgiving to Greenville. Green, Greenville by, on Thanksgiving. It just, you know, it really is a count your blessings type of moment. Hashtag blessed. You know, there's I mean, a lot of there's much. a lot of cities because we are traveling on Thanksgiving. There's a lot of cities, including ours, where you could kind of search uh restaurants open on Thanksgiving. And there are some. And I, part, part of me hopes none of them are because I, I think it'd be cool if the workers didn't have to work on Thanksgiving, but at the same time. I'm in a strange city. I want to eat. I have Thanksgiving. I don't want to sit in my hotel room eating Chex Mix. So uh, there are major cities where it's like, oh, yeah, we're open on Thanksgiving. Here are the hours. Here's what we have. 
in Greenville, there's not really so much of that. So, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I hope, I hope you enjoy it and have a very happy holiday. And I look forward to tweets from that experience being referenced here next week when you come back. So we were in Thanksgiving in Tulsa in 2016. It was the day before Tommy Tuberville's what ended up being his last game. Mm. And I, we found a, an establishment that was open. The guy would not open his kitchen because he just wanted to open his bar to get away from his family. And I needed to not be in that hotel because Tommy Tuberville hated me. And so I'm like, look, I will go, I will go anywhere. I will go, I will go to wall. I'll go anywhere to not be in this hotel. I don't want to be in this room, but I also don't want to be in this hotel because Tubbs was out to get me. I didn't want to talk to him. It was over for him. And uh, so I found uh, refuge in this uh, bar with this man who served me pretzels and beer. And we watched the Colts play the Steelers and it was fun. So this year, I don't have to worry about the coach hating me. I don't think. Maybe you can go back there. Maybe you can go back there on Thanksgiving. That was Tulsa and this is Greenville. And just saying that makes me so happy they're leaving that conference. (laughs) Mo, it's been great. We will. uh, We'll talk to you next week. Okay, guys. Thank you. All right. Good to catch up with Mo. I know he's going to enjoy he's going to enjoy Greenville for Thanksgiving. It's just a, you just really can't dial up anything better than that. Um, you have to update the growler bet from this past weekend. The growler bet was uh, you had to pick one of three: uh, Joe Burrow touchdown, a Joe Burrow sack, or a Joe Burrow interception. Which one will happen, and what will the time of game be? And which one will happen first? What will time game be? You know, ended up being 12-14 in the first quarter. You had the uh, sack fumble um, by the Raiders of Bro. Jay, you and I, when we plotted this, I pointed out that you were being kind of mean and <laughs> didn't really want people to have a good chance to win. And I suggested it be 10-second differential. And you suggested five in either direction. And uh, we went with you because, you, you know, that's just if you want to be mean and you could be mean. <laughs> I, I think Kent Hansen's not super thrilled about that. Kent Poor Hansen guy. had sack at 1221 off by seven seconds. Oh, so close. So close. But yet so far, I, I mean, look, Kent, I wanted you to win. I wanted to give Kent some delicious 50 West beer. Jay did not. Jay wanted Kent to be thirsty this holiday season and to have to wonder what could have been. If you want to give beer away that bad, give it to me. I'm the, I mean, I made <laughs> oh, the rules. You've gotten so. enough. You've gotten <laughs> enough, Jay. That's a, that's enough. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh that was a that's recapping this past week's growler bet now i've been saying every time that you do the growler bet, who won the growler bet between the two of us I, well it because we both picked burrow td so i just called it a draw okay i mean you you had 10 12 of the second quarter for a burrow td and i had 10 01 of the first quarter for a burrow td it's really since neither one since the sack happened first i just called that a draw so you still lead five to four for the year. Still, still lead five to four. It has been pointed out to me that, um, well, we know that you like to use palindromes for all of your answers in the growler bed. And I always feel like I don't have a thing. I need a thing. Man, you listeners just keep giving back. <laughs> Shout out Dale Drummond, who says, you know what you need? 
you need prime numbers. Oh, there we go. I have the list of all the prime numbers. So I am fully prepared to go prime numbers on you from now until the end of time. Hopefully. But is, I was going to say, like, we get into a, some where like passer ratings and things are going to be hard. But yeah. I can find ways to make it work. Don't worry about that. Don't you worry about me. Well, you can still, if it's a pass rating, you can just make the decimal point always 0. 0.7. Point zero. Or point zero or point one. Those are all prime numbers. Yeah, don't 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 you worry about me. I'm excited to be prime number guy now. Thanks to Dale for that idea. I'm loving it. Um all right. We will be, of course. Back and with Thanksgiving for everybody, we'll uh, we'll ha- we will still have a, a Steelers preview episode for you coming up, uh, and then we'll have the walkout on Sunday. Um, I hope everybody has a, a great Thanksgiving, but you'll be hearing from us. So when you're on your way driving to the family deal or uh, wherever you're going, uh, you can plop in, hear that podcast ground, and take a listen. And a reminder: uh, if you have not, great time to subscribe. The time to subscribe, really, one dollar a month. For the next 12 months, deal we got going on now, Black Friday. Get it. If you're not a subscriber, this is when you should do it. There, there's no doubt. Or give gifts. It's a great time to give the give a gift subscription to somebody that you think would would love the site if you love it too. So uh just want to mention that to everybody. And and if you do, you can go read my so the I, I ended up I wrote twelve hundred words on the fake flea flicker because the story was so good. I I had to ask uh, I, I talked to Zach Taylor about it and the story was exponentially better than I ever could have imagined. So I said, screw it. I'm writing 1200 words on an eight yard gain. <laughs> should have been and more. I, could I really could have been more? No, really no, no. The, the gain, the gain oh, yeah. should have been more because Joe slipped. Ah, that's the kicker of the story, Jay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All that for a slip. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyway, um, if you can go and read that story and I'm still laughing over the absurdity of, uh, how it all came down and, and really a life lesson in that story is never miss an October Purdue Rutgers game. Never. (laughs) (laughs) There's your motto. That's, that's what we, I'll, I'll leave that as a teaser if you want to go read the story too. So, uh, anyway. All right, thanks everybody for listening, and uh, we will we will talk to you on Thanksgiving. Have a good one.